2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast.
3: Serious XM Progress, you made it to Friday. Good evening and welcome to the Love Fest. It's telling me everything. I'm John Fuglesang. Strap yourselves in, we got a good one tonight. Chris Houseelt, our executive producer, Thea Harper, running this thing out of Brooklyn. And I come to you from Manhattan. Our number for the next couple hours is 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Tonight on the Love Fest, the revoltingly fake Christian of the week. Yes, it's Fake Christian Friday, and I spend all week looking for this, the most unspeakably noxious hypocrite to rake over the coals. Uh, And you know what? The hypocrite revealed himself to us all uh, today. So it's fresh off the presses. Also, uh, we're going to talk to the Reverend Barry Lynn, former executive director for Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Barry's got a new memoir out called Paid to Piss People Off. It comes in three different books that make up one altogether, and it's completely fascinating. Reverend Barry is a free speech hero who has argued cases in court for the First Amendment and has debated the most horrific right-wing preachers. Hey, let's do a show. Um, Okay, so the Gallup poll before the shootings in Louisville and Nashville showed that 63% of Americans are dissatisfied with America's gun laws and think we need to go a bit farther and try a bit harder to protect people from being killed. Uh, But conservatives generally are not moved by the numbers of civilians slaughtered every day. They're not moved by the mass shootings. They're not moved by all the preventable deaths. Despite the violence that terrorizes schools, banks, places of worship, mass shootings in Louisville and Nashville were not enough to keep the NRA's soulless ghouls from having their annual convention and attracting a pack of uh, Republican presidential candidates, which you would expect. Now, it goes three days. Open, last year, they did it right after Uvalde. <laughs> and again, it's just another example Of how some people who call themselves christian and patriots are neither it's another example of how people hold their individual entertainment in higher esteem than the lives of other americans Uh, ron desantis was there via video nikki haley was there via video and a lot of republican politicians are kind of nervous they're they they're hoping that all this spike in shootings and children being mowed down won't make their position more unpopular next year (laughs) I mean, it's not been a good week for Republicans. Mike Pompeo announced today he's not going to run in 2024. In other words, he announced it after America decided it for him. Ron DeSantis announced his six-week abortion ban last night, signed it with no TV cameras in the room, today spoke at Liberty University, didn't mention it, and they only released the news that he'd signed the six-week abortion ban after 11 p.m. while we were on the air. Guys, they're, they're, they're running scared. And of course, Ron DeSantis, uh, after dropping the ball in Fort Lauderdale, missing the flood while he's pretending he's not campaigning to be president in states that aren't Florida. Well, he showed up, but only via video message. Here, here's a quick little uh, one of Ron and his incredible charisma. Here is uh, a saying gun rights need to expand even more. Like
4: we do with other issues in Florida, we've gone on offense to expand individual gun rights. I called on the legislature to expand Floridians' ability to protect themselves, their families, and all they hold dear, and we delivered. Earlier this month, I signed into law constitutional carry legislation that will bring Florida into line with 25 other states that recognize the fundamental right of law-abiding American citizens to keep and bear arms without a government-issued permission slip. Because of our efforts in Florida, we now have a majority of states in this country that recognize such a right.
3: What he's saying in English, in truth, is that he signed a law allowing any demented Yahoo in his state to carry a gun anywhere they want with no permit and no training. That's it. I hope you feel safer. (laughs) Sounds great. But let's get to the real star of today's NRA convention. Let's get to the real star of Fake Christian Friday. Former Vice President Mike Pence, one time governor of Indiana, he came home, back to his home state for the NRA convention. Now, Mike Pence is a Christian who uh, is very fond of guns. He couldn't stop praising Trump's assassination uh, of uh, General Soleimani. Remember his sermon, Assassinations Christians Should Feel Good About? Mike Pence will never stop showing up at these events and trying to get the votes of people who wanted to hang him. He showed up today at the National Rifle Association annual convention in his own state and was booed. Give a listen. Well,
5: hello, NRA. I love you, too. And welcome back to the Hoosier State.
3: So you could hear the boos there a bit, right? He had a tough time getting the crowd on his side, but he did it. He did really did it. I will give Mike Pence credit when he can do something. And he was able to get the crowd cheering him. We'll get to why it involves being revoltingly false Christian. Here's Mike Pence wagging his mother loving finger at Joe Biden. Again, he's groveling before the NRA, groveling before men who wanted him hanged on January 6th because he really, really, really wants their votes in case Trump backs out and DeSantis catches on fire.
5: So I say to Joe Biden and the gun control extremists, give up your pipe dreams of gun confiscation in this free society. Stop endangering our lives with gun bans and stop trampling on the God given rights of the American people every time tragedy happens.
3: Okay, uh, I got two lies there. I think uh, Joe Biden's not trying any kind of gun confiscation. And uh, assault weapons bans save lives. They don't take lives. We tried one for ten years, and mass shootings went down. So again, bearing false witness—it's what Mike Pence does. You know, again, we we give him so much credit for for being a good guy just because he's not Donald Trump. Can we can we stop giving Mike Pence credit because he didn't commit treason? I, I Chris Hauseltz, our producer, he hardly ever commits treason. Maybe maybe twice a month, and we never praise him for it. It's not scary. And it's not just scary that Mike Pence saved democracy. It's that Mike Pence had to ask Dan Quayle advice on how to save democracy. People, come on. Booed in his home state. Trump made fun of him later on. We'll get to that. But, but first, uh, here's, here's more Mike Pence. He's explaining, no, we don't need any more gun control. You know what we really need? You know what we really need to keep these dangerous weapons out of the hands of criminals? We need more prayer.
5: In the wake of tragic violence that struck here in the heartland in recent days. At a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, and at a bank branch in Louisville, Kentucky. The Bible says that we mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve. And I know I speak with everyone here when I say that our hearts and our prayers are with all the families that suffered loss and injury in these unspeakable attacks. Ignoring the motivations of the trans activists who killed three children and three adults at that Christian school in Nashville, and ignoring the mental health challenges of the man who killed five people and injured eight others in Louisville, President Biden and the Democrats have returned to the same tired arguments about gun control and gun confiscation. But we don't need gun control. We need crime control. We don't need lectures about the liberties of law-abiding citizens. We need solutions to protect our kids.
3: Now, I know you're wondering, hey, wait a second, Mike, what, what, what's the difference between gun control and crime control? What, what, what does crime control look like? Well, if you were hoping for Mike to offer solutions that might protect our kids, that wasn't going to come. Someone wrote Mike a little applause line and you can hear he's starting to get claps. He's, start, he's starting to win him over. Right. We, we don't need gun control. We need crime control. Yeah, that's gun gun controls there to control. <laughs> Groveling Mike Pence, telling the NRA. That our recent mass shootings are caused not by easy civilian access to mass kill machines, but because of those misguided folks who want more gun safety. And look at the lies there. First off, he lists the mass killings. In the last two weeks at an NRA convention, gutsy call, bro. Uh, Then he offers prayers for the families. No applause. They don't want to hear dick about these grieving Americans at the NRA events. That makes them look bad because they're bad people. And then the trans activist, you know, ignoring that over 99% of mass killers are cisgender, heterosexual men. Biden's ignoring mental health. No, Biden's not ignoring mental health that drove the shooter in Louisville. Biden actually wants more background checks and red flag laws, you're ignoring mental health. You have no solutions and you will never be president because margin of error will kick your ass in every single 2024 poll. In fact, at this point, you might be wondering, yeah, Mike Pence is a non-entity. He's, he's, he's nothing. He's, he's, he's like nipples on a pope. He's like a human appendix. Why are we talking about him? We're talking about him because he's the revoltingly fake Christian of the week. That's why. <laughs> the man who was called a traitor because of one time he refused to be a traitor. Well, here it is, uh, when Pence finally gets cheers from all the good Christians in the house. And guess what he finally gets those Christians to cheer for? More death, more murder, but from the state. Here's Mike Pence as a Christian wanting to murder these mass shooters. And as an American, he wants to do it immediately.
5: I believe the time has come to institute a federal death penalty statute with accelerated appeal to ensure that those who engage in mass shootings face execution in months, not years.
3: Okay, let's break that down. Jesus never talked about trans people. Jesus never talked about immigration other than the command you to welcome the stranger. Jesus never condemned gay people. Jesus never condemned abortion. Jesus never condemned birth control. Jesus never commands Mike Pence to not have any meetings one on one with women who aren't his wife. Uh, No. You know what Jesus did command, however? A couple things. Uh, One was nonviolent resistance, which we'll get to in a second. Jesus would not be a fan of the NRA. Number two, though, uh, Jesus was against the death penalty. Mike Pence finally got cheers in the room for demanding the state kill people who kill people because killing people is wrong. Where do you begin with this guy? Folks, Jesus talked about the death penalty. He never talked about abortion. I recommend you have that little factoid in your hip pocket because it will infuriate a loved one at a holiday gathering at some point, but it's true. John chapter eight, verse one through 11, the story of the adulteress. They brought this woman to Jesus under Jewish law. She'd committed adultery. They were allowed to stone her to death and were getting ready to do so. Jesus stops an execution. And says only people who have never sinned are allowed to carry them out. Jesus, not into the death penalty. How about Matthew uh, chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, when he gives the words of the Our Father and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Not calling to execute people who hurt you. Let's talk about the Sermon on the Mount. He overturns eye for an eye. You have heard, it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Does that sound like be strapped and shoot back? (laughs) Jesus had a high capacity for love and forgiveness, not a high capacity magazine. Also, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I mean, I can do this all night. Jesus, not a fan of the state murdering the sinner. Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 22, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Peter came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times seven times. He's not... Into vengeance, he's not into retribution. How about Matthew seven twelve, judging others in everything? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Not a huge fan of murdering the sinner. And finally, Matthew nine, thirteen, one of my favorites. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Guys, jesus stopped an execution he said only the sinless should be allowed to carry them out he overturns eye for an eye demands you turn the other cheek demands you forgive those who wrong you and <laughs> says i desire mercy i i i i mean let's go in genesis four fifteen. after cain kills abel god puts a mark on him so nobody can harm cain as he travels through the land and eventually marrying someone who would have to be his sister because it's all incest right i mean the first ever murder in all of history And God gives the killer a pardon. (laughs) You can't be a follower of Jesus and support killing sinners. It doesn't work that way. You know, (laughs) Mike Pence likes to talk about how his faith makes him so against abortion, which Jesus never mentioned, and for the death penalty, which Jesus directly opposed. Jesus prohibits any action in one's self-defense. At least he appears to. He's extremely pacifist. Talk to a Quaker about it. And pacifist Christians argue guns for self-defense are not only unnecessary, but contrary to Jesus's teachings. I mean, it's very clear that Jesus was frustrating everybody who wanted him to rise up in armed rebellion against Rome. But he clearly says, I don't want my disciples to kill. I want my disciples to love their enemies. Matthew 544. And of course, as long as we're talking guns, (laughs) that's Jesus. I don't want my disciples to kill. I want them to love their enemies. Put your sword back where it belongs. All who use the sword will die by the sword. (laughs) So here's the deal. If Mike Pence actually was a Christian, he'd be at the border right now embracing and welcoming migrants. But instead, he calls them illegals while supporting Donald Trump, who ripped off US vets with an online scam. You wanna, you wanna hear Donald Trump? Uh, he came up a little while later and made fun of Mike Pence. But here's the guy that Mike Pence thought was a real Christian speaking today at the NRA convention. I give you Donald Trump.
5: 2024 is the year that we will defeat these nation wrecking globalists, Marxists, rhinos and tyrants once and for all. The rhinos are in there in many ways. In many ways, the rhinos are worse because you don't know where they're coming from. You say, oh, that's a rhino. We don't like that one. At least with the Democrats, you know where they're coming from, and that's not a good place, is it?
3: (laughs) Meanwhile, give a listen to Kamala Harris addressing gun violence today in a speech before the National Action Network Convention. And tell me who sounds like they've read the New Testament here.
6: In our country, already in the 104 days of this year, there have been more than 150 mass shootings already this year. Just think, you've seen the statistics? Gun violence is now the number one cause for death of children in our nation. And a heartbreaking one in five Americans has lost a family member to gun violence. And you know, while all this violence impacts all communities in devastating ways, we know it does not do so equally. Black people are only thirteen percent of America's population but more than 60% of homicide victims from gun violence.
3: That's the way it is. Now, of course, they're going to say, oh, you're just persecuting Mike Pence because he's Christian. They always say that. You're attacking Mike Pence because he's Christian. And my response always is, no, I would never attack Mike Pence for being Christian, but I will mock him for being fake Christian. They ridicule. (laughs) I ridicule him for posing as a Christian. While he fights to disregard the marginalized, while he fights to make the rich richer, turn away refugees, help steal kids from migrants, pretend Jesus shares his homophobia, desires to bring back torture, and joins in a celebration of guns within two weeks of two mass killings. But then again, if Mike Pence had ever actually read the Jesus parts of the Bible, he would not have been able to support Trump. Mike Pence, you are our revoltingly fake Christian of the week. Let's go to the phones. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997. Grit, Eric is in Oregon, calling. Hello, Eric. Welcome.
0: Hey, John. Thanks. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you, if Jesus were alive and he walked in, you know, they're all waiting for the second coming. But if he walked into that convention, he would probably audibly say or mention that fatigue that you so often mention. Yeah, you would. You know that. Yeah, that would. You know that would be tough. Um, well, I mean, they they celebrate yeah. him with their
3: lips. They they praise him with their lips. <laughs> yeah, but not so much with yeah, the deeds. That they do. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a good call. I I agree with your nomination there. Um, but well, one the of the nice the nice, th- the nice thing want-
3: about the Bible the nice thing about the New Testament and the Jesus stuff is you don't need to believe it to throw it in the face of these Bible thumpers. So you know it's atheist friendly Bible lessons.
0: Yeah, well, you do an excellent job at it, and it's really nice to hear that you uh, you uh, you take him to the line with that. And uh, yeah, um, you're very
3: but, kind. But you Thank know,
0: you. just talking about the uh, the what the fuck fatigue is. Uh, Please, you know, we we just keep circling, you know, the dystopian rabbit hole drain. I think, and and it's been two you know two plus years since Trump's been out of office, but you know, he still he's still taking all the oxygen out of the room. And how long's it been since uh, it's only been, you know, a week or so. But, you know, the media, it's just to me, it's just it's just a big fail because it's just the it's the dumpster fire followed by the train wreck.
3: And yep. but but the, the, but there's the but there is a difference. Had, so, I mean, you, you do think there's a difference between now and 2015, 2016. Right. I mean, I mean, now, every time Trump shows up on camera, I, I would submit to you that it hurts him. And that it helps Biden. I think at this point, you know, covering Donald Trump's many, many scandals and crimes as the accountability finally begins. It's not like the novelty effect of four years ago. Everyone knows how much he sucks and he's not going to get more Americans to vote for him than he did in 2020.
0: Yeah. And I definitely agree with that. And that's, you know, pretty much exactly what I wanted to say. The difference between 2015, 2016 is that, you know, it's just the classic media dropping the ball. But we had an ex-president. Uh, you know, you can't call it tweet. He trothed out to tens <laughs> of millions of people uh, World War III. And that That's was right. in the news cycle for about a day.
3: About and a day. And then
0: it's just buried. Yeah, I mean... you know, Fire granted, and fury. You know, I the, mean,
3: fire and fury. This guy gets away with, I mean, the most inflammatory nonsense. And we just chalk it up to, oh, grandpa's free-thinking, you know, drug addict with Tourette's. Let him go do his thing. He's crazy like that. And we just we just take, I mean, fire and fury. He was threatening nuclear war against North Korea. And then we call him Christian.
0: Right. And, you know, could, it, it, could you imagine... Uh, George H.W. Bush or, you know, uh, Mitt Romney or John McCain or, you know, Jimmy Carter or any anybody, you know, five or six years ago, if an ex-president two years post-presidency had had said something that incendiary to tens of millions of people, that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have left the news cycle. You would have had press pools and teams outside the president's place of uh you know where, where he lives and it just it would have been monumental in 2015 no, right. or 2016 if an ex-president had said something like that but now it's gone it's just in the yeah, ether just it's forgotten. Just, and that's kind of like the the you know the dystopian rabbit hole i'm referring to what what trump has done is just by you know paper cut by paper cut by paper cut it's just you know he's just numbing everybody to the point where that right. is that's just another day that ends in y <laughs> and you know that that is it's. But is I he really
3: numbing any? Numbing. Is he really numbing everybody? I mean, aren't we already numb to this guy? I, I, I'm sorry. I feel like what Donald Trump's doing right now is going out there and kneecapping Ron DeSantis. You know, I, I, I really do. I think that Donald Trump is going to make sure that elderly Joe Biden gets the name two more Supreme Court justices because he'll be in office for six more years.
0: Well, the infighting is great to watch. You know, you pop the popcorn and it's nice to see. I mean, you, it is imploding. <laughs> but from, but yeah, but from the, just the standpoint of the, you know, how everything is devolved and how he's let it happen. And you can't blame it all on the media. I mean, I think it's just. I don't. It's the what's it's the what the fuck fatigue that you talk about. That's it's it. just it it's happened so much, you know, as I said, it you know, it's the it's the dumpster fire and then the cameras are pointed on it and then it's You're the right. train wreck. And then you and I think, you know, with, with Merrick Garland and how frustrated, you know, mo you know, lots of people mm. are with mm. his what they call, you know, slow walking to me, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that, well, now that New York has filed the charges, Merrick Garland's probably thinking, well, I, you know, it's taking the heat off for a little bit. I don't know. I just my conspiracy theory is the Justice Department is just mailing KFC coupons to Mar-a-Lago and the problem
7: can <laughs> take care of itself.
3: Exactly and, but right. You know, I but saying the- to everyone, Robert Mueller, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith. No, they're all in competition. They're in a race with Donald Trump's arteries.
0: I think a lot of the a lot of the other DAs and the prosecutors are just, you know, it, it's very conspiratorial. But you just can't help but think, man, this guy's just got to die. I mean, he look at how <laughs> look at what kind of shape he's in. But you know what? If he if he does, if he if if he if he does, you know, you know, cash in before uh, you know, before justice has been served he's going to be the martyr, and he's going to, you know, the, the movement, I think, will still always have oxygen around it. If he, but it's the, if, same, if he movement. It's the same movement. It's
3: the same movement. This movement has always been there. It's the know-nothings. It's the Tea Party. It's the McCarthyites. It's the same movement of right-wing, frothing people who are so easy to manipulate the neo-Confederates, and he will be replaced by another charismatic charlatan. Not as powerful or as celebrity laden as he, but these folks are always going to be with us, and Donald Trump is, you know, he's done a lot of damage to the country, but Let's be honest, he's also really marginalized these folks. He is the reason women today have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers did, and it is not helping the rest of the party, and it will not help them for years. Good can still yeah, come from the awfulness of a, Trump's presidency. Good can still come from it.
0: Well, I'm just waiting for the next, you know, I'm, I'm, keeping, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the next indictment, uh, you know, they don't linger. I just hope that... Yeah. Uh, That they just keep piling up, and that uh, you know, because everyone's just kind of waiting. It was so cathartic to have that first one, but let's get that second one in there. Let's get that third one in there. Yeah, exactly right. And and, you know, the 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 documents and the Georgia, I think they're both you know open and shut practically. I mean, the way I see it, I mean, he's on tape. And, we'll see, I mean, yeah, we'll yeah, and- yeah,
3: and there's tapes There's tapes of him that we haven't even heard yet. Think about that. I mean, the tape we heard is him literally committing election fraud, strong-arming the Secretary of State into lying. And that's the stuff they let us hear. It's going to be interesting. Thank you so much for the call, Eric. Really a pleasure. Quick break. When we come back, more of your calls and the Reverend Barry Lynn. And please, please be patient on hold. We'll thank you profusely. Our second hour is all calls, too. This is SiriusXM.
1: Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
3: And welcome back. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fuglesang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. We are celebrating Fake Christian Friday, and uh, if you just joined us, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence has received the trophy of the revoltingly fake Christian of the week. He got this by appearing at an NRA convention today, right after two mass shootings, and saying the solution... To gun violence is to have the state execute all mass shooters right away and don't make us wait, because Jesus was such a big fan of murdering the sinner. You know, now it's time to balance that chi out with a real Christian, somebody who I actually look up to, somebody who puts his money where his mouth is spiritually. Reverend Barry Lynn is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. He was executive director for Americans United for the Separation of Church and State for many, many years. He's a longtime activist. He's debated Jerry Falwell so many times, I'm jealous. He's also a civil liberties lawyer, and you may have seen him in the past on PBS NewsHour, The Today Show, Nightline, 60 Minutes, even Bill O'Reilly. But finally, after all this waiting, Barry's memoir is out, and it comes in three volumes. The book is called Paid to Piss People Off, and it's sort of like the Johnny Cash uh, box set, you know, Love, God, Murder, but this is Peace, Porn, and Prayer. Uh, the books discuss how a few unexpected encounters from uh, a tr- activists uh, and anarchists to carnival sideshows to the attorney general of the U.S. made Reverend Barry the activist and man of faith he is. Reverend, what a great pleasure and happy post-Easter. Welcome back to SiriusXM.
9: Well, thank you. It's so nice to be back here. That title, you know, has gotten me in trouble already because I attempted to buy an ad on Twitter paid to piss people off it was rejected for uh inappropriate content now mm. in 1972 george carlin did get in a lot of trouble for seven dirty words in fact he was arrested for mm-hmm. doing a bit and one of the seven dirty words is piss but, that's right you know uh, a high school student came up to me once at a party he said mr lynn when i get out of school i want to do what you do i said what do you think What do you think I do, Connor? And he said, I think you get paid to piss people off. (laughs) And although I did a lot of that, I tried to do it with a sense of humor and with a recognition that you can't hate people in the process, even if you make fun of them.
3: That's right. You can't. Hate makes you stupid. And, you know, it I always does. say if if Donald Trump needed bone marrow and I was the only donor match, I'd be on a plane in a second. I'd be delighted because I, I don't want him to suffer. I always say I want three ghosts to visit him on Christmas Eve and turn him into a good person. Um, <laughs> but, Reverend, I, it's really, really impressive that you've done three different volumes of one memoir. And I'm curious, just from a writing point of view, because they are all very distinct books. They all paint this gorgeous triptych of you and the story of a... Uh, you you know, a guy who's an incredible activist for civil liberties in the First Amendment, who's also an incredibly faithful Christian. And you show and walk the walk and talk the talk that that's the natural state of spirituality. I don't understand, after reading the Jesus parts, how you can be a Christian and not be an activist for the less fortunate. But what was it that inspired you to break the memoir up into these three pieces?
9: Yeah, I think I had I had some trouble at the beginning, looking for a publisher, because publishers would say things like Memoirs, if you're not somebody who worked for Donald Trump or a serial killer or a really top drawer rock star, we don't want your memoir. But then I found this wonderful little press, Blue Cedar Press in Kansas, of all places, and they just fell in love with the idea. And I said, You know, it's going to be very long. They said, How about if we break it into three parts? peace, porn and prayer. (laughs) And I can talk about all the things because these are the three gripping issues that made my life the life it was. And it's been a good life. I've enjoyed it. It's got some losses, some wins, but ultimately I learned a lot of lessons from it. And the one thing I love most about writing this book was finding an excuse to talk to people sometimes people i hadn't spoken to in 20 or 30 years and just say how you doing do you still believe i as i believe as you believe and i believe that was a lot of fun one one week the same week i spoke to ron kovic of course who wrote born on the fourth of july the movie version with tom cruise i had worked with him in the amnesty movement because ron Of course, decorated Marine lost the ability to walk. Um, And a couple days later, I, I talked to Ollie North and I consider them both friends. And I think they consider me a friend. And that's good. You have to engage people where they are and you can't hate them. You can be annoyed as hell, but you cannot hate them. You just have to try to correct them and occasionally that even works but you you know i'm in oliver north once i did
3: a special for fox news with him in florida and i just i i I avoided it i avoided conversing with them because i'm just someone who's still so angry over iran contra and that they all walked away clean but you have always managed to debate these people reverend be kind and friendly but you never give an inch I've never seen you stand down from your values while you debate them, and it's a marvel to watch. I saw you do this with Bill O'Wiley so many times, where you'll be kind, and I try to be all of our conser- of all course. of our conservative guests. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I give them a pedicure, but but you do it in such a way that's firm but gentle, where you don't bullshit them. And and you're right, if you call them names, they're gonna feel justified in hating you back. But if you're kind, if you even if you praise them, go out of your way to praise them, which I have found with audiences before, with right wing audiences, they'll just feel safer and they'll know you're not there to make them feel inferior.
9: That's true. And I think it's um, I think it's easier to do that when you have a consistent relationship with them. I spent almost every afternoon for a year and a half on NBC with Pat Buchanan. He had a show with Chris Matthews was one of the co-hosts for a while, Juan Williams, they all quit within a matter of weeks. So his producer called me and said, you want to sit in with Pat? Just see how it goes. And it really went well. And the one thing Pat said to me was, "Uh, you know, we can't be we can't be as as aggressive as we are in Crossfire, because that's only a half an hour. And this is going to be three hours. And I said, I can live with that. <laughs> The other thing, there are two kinds of compromises that I find. There are the traditional ones in Washington that are kind of idiots' compromises. Nobody really wins, but you, this is when Republicans and Democrats, they can't quite agree. They say, let's do a study of it. And then postpone the consideration of what to do for two years or four years. That's but it. then there are genuinely creative compromises. And I, know i'm happy that he did a couple of those and i think one of the things that we did when i was at americans united i actually was still at the aclu at the time there was this effort to guarantee the right of student religious groups to meet in high schools Mm -hmm. and uh, i thought that was a terrible idea but i did talk to the people who were running it in the senate like senator mark hatfield so why don't we just Why don't we just make it a student free speech bill? You're in favor of free speech. She said, of course I am. I said, let's just, any club can meet. That's yeah. why there's so many gay straight student alliances. And that's, to the also credit, that's
3: also why there's so many, you know, religious student uh, organizations as well, because you make it a sure. free speech issue, then they can say whatever they want and no one's being singled exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. And
9: you put a couple of safeguards in and uh, Lowell Weicker, who was literally my favorite member of the Senate, and uh, he he's. You find him a lot in these volumes of paid to piss people off. But There's a lot of interesting say, people in these books, Perry. There's a lot of interesting people. <laughs> I pop think up somebody in said if I just uh, sold one copy to each person in the indices, I'd make a fortune. And they <laughs> me- they forced me to take some people out. It was like we don't want any more stories. We don't want any stories. But I have a story about Kirk Douglas. We don't have time. We're ready to go to press. We don't want another story. But it's a good story about You're Kirk going to have Douglas.
3: to do more, you have more volumes. <laughs> I, I'm, I, think, I think COVID is the reason you wrote three volumes of this memoir, yeah. sir. But I want, to, I want to quote you from the first book. You write sure. I, the, first, the first volume. It's, it really is one book in three parts. But you write, I've had three major jobs. Post-Vietnam relief for war resistors and battles over draft registration at the United Church of Christ. Anti-censorship efforts at the American Civil Liberties Union battling the theocratic goals of America's religious right as head of Americans United for separation of church and state. In all three, I have pissed people off. I've tried, not always successfully, to choose not to hate those who beliefs I consider to be misguided, and I've maintained a sense of humor throughout." And it's really interesting to see how much you devoted your energy to structural change in the federal court, sometimes more than the ACLU was willing to go to. But I I do want to ask about a a couple of real-life people that appear in your books. And one of them is um, what you learned working in social justice with someone who was my dad's hero and uh, someone I came to admire very much when I was a young person during the first Iraq war. And that's former Attorney General Ramsey Clark.
9: Well, Ramsey and I... We didn't know each other until he decided to start opposing the war in Vietnam. He irritated Lyndon Johnson so much that Johnson repeatedly said, I wish I'd never appointed him attorney general. So one day in the midst of this effort to get an amnesty for war resistors and to do something for the Vietnam veterans that have been shafted by what we called other than honorable discharges. So Ramsey and I did a couple of press conferences. He asked me to come join him at a fundraiser. In the upper west side of new york city and he gave a marvelous little statement he was the big draw he said i want to introduce you to somebody introduce me i said a few words and ramsey said i believe this young man i was a young man then this young man is on the long haul to social justice. I never forgot that sentence because every time I thought about, well, maybe I should work for some big company or a clerk for no, 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 that would have been a failure. You listen to 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 your the power of Ramsey Clark.
3: You yeah. listen to your calling, which leads me, Barry, to to porn. Uh, the the yes. volume everyone wants to talk about. Now, when we talk about porn, we're not talking about your very brief career in the adult industry, and I, I think no. you did some fine work. I, it was great. I've seen some of the sixteen millimeters from the seventies. I think you you did fine work. Uh, but no, you talk about the Mies Porn Commission in the eighties when Ronald Reagan really did his best to take on the First Amendment because uh, he believes that's in the Bible somewhere. I, I, I'm fascinated. What what made you want to devote a whole volume of the memoir to your time, uh, ostensibly fighting for porn's existence, if not porn itself, but porn's right to exist, yeah. from a Christian point of view?
9: Yeah, it's a good question. I was. Um, it says it's porn, and it has a picture, of course, of a, a famous photograph that appeared... I think in every newspaper's front page the day after the attorney general, Edwin Meese, accepted the report, he's accepting the report. He's got his finger pointed out at the audience and he's standing under the goddess of justice and the goddess of justice in the great hall of justice has one bare breast,
3: one bare breast. I'm
9: not proud to say this, but for years I described that photograph as a two boobs photograph now. (laughs) But here's what I thought. This is an example where it's kind of a lonely road because a lot of people that didn't want to get into this issue, they didn't want to take it on. I think there's a difference between morality and legality in the United mm. States. Mm-hmm. I don't think any depictions of sexual activity that is consensual can ever or should ever be banned by state or federal governments? Does Say it that mean again, I Barry. Like Barry say,
3: say, say that exact. Say that exact phrase again, please, Reverend, if you would.
9: Uh, any any depiction of sex. On that one. Oh, okay. No, no worries. Go ahead. No, it's brilliant. But, uh, I remember uh, doing an interview for National Public Radio one morning, and it was aired. And I said on it, the, the host said. What did you think of all this porn? I said, it's the most porn I've ever seen. But I said, you know, some of it was really disgusting, but some of it, frankly, turned me on. And the other lawyer said, why did you say that? And I said, because I want to be an honest person. Who in the world is going to, as a man looking at porn of any kind, not say, yeah, there's some of it's pretty hot. You can't be a liar. You cannot give answers to journalists that they know or suspect you you are making it up. I know
3: we're just not we're just not used to this much honesty from a reverend or a male. That's all I'm saying, Barry. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Let me tell you what I love about the books. And I want to have you back again to talk about them more because sure. we don't have enough time ever. There are many wonderful progressive writers who who talk in the abstract about their theories, who talk about the causes and why the causes matter. And they have data and they have facts and they have graphs. But you always focus on the real people behind the causes you champion. Uh, can you share with our listeners very briefly the story about Army and Listie, uh Weldon Merchant?
9: Yeah, Weldon Merchant was a Native American. He lived in Southern Virginia. He had been to Vietnam twice, and um, he was prepared to go back on his third tour. He went back to report to the Army base in Virginia, where he was supposed to go. They said, "Uh, who are you? And he gave him his name and his serial number. They said, you don't belong here you don't even exist you're not in the army he said yes i am repeatedly for week after week after week he made the same effort here i am this is who i am here's the proof go away they said a year later after living for a while uh, in his car with his wife and child the fbi as he so marvelously said uh, to the uh, people considering his case at the Pentagon. I was getting my little girl dressed for Sunday school, and there was a knock on the door. It was the FBI. And they said, are you Weldon Merchant? He said, yes. And he said, you are wanted for desertion. And he, and he said, but we have a, we, we have something we can offer instead. It's this, It's called an undesirable discharge, but you won't be court-martialed. You won't spend any time in jail. And he took it. And then he couldn't get any veterans administration benefits. Uh, he couldn't get a job because being undesirably discharged for the average person, it sounds like the kiss of death. You don't hire somebody. So we go to a hearing. I'd worked with Jim Aberest from South Dakota, who's probably the most uh, one of the most left senators ever. Ed Brooke from Massachusetts to clean up this system, to make it easier for Vietnam veterans to go and make their case. So he comes for breakfast to our house. We drive down to the Pentagon. I look at the folder that was prepared for the officers who will be sitting in judgment. On the Mm -hmm. very front of it, it says we have had difficulty really examining Mr. Merchant's case because so many of his records are missing. So we went through the whole routine. After 30 minutes, one of the members of the panel says, Mr. Lynn, so much of your case rests on your claim that Mr. Merchant's records are missing. Why should we believe you? And I had to be diplomatic. I said, "Uh, if you just turn to the front piece here of your own report, Your staff has said it is very difficult to consider Mr. Merchant's case because his records are missing. (laughs) So the staff guy walking out, he said, of course, you won this case. Years later, Weldon Merchant calls me after I've been on the Oprah Winfrey show, and he finds me and he says, you changed my life. Because now he could get the assistance he needed for the medical conditions he had, including." two Purple Hearts in Vietnam, one where a person in his company threw a hand grenade at a tree and it clapped on his back.
3: Barry, it is such a pleasure to have you. I'm going to have to have you back very soon to talk more about the book because we barely scratched the surface. Reverend Barry Lynn is the author of Paid to Piss People Off. It comes in three volumes. Peace, Porn, and Prayer makes a great gift for the sane spiritual person in your life. Barry, this is just part one of this interview. Thank you for joining us tonight. Happy belated We'll do it again. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is progress. I'm John saying This is SiriusXM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. We've got a lot of calls we want to get to, so I'm going to ask everyone to please make your comments as tight, 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 tight as possible so we can get to everybody. Uh, Rachel in L.A., hello and welcome.
10: Hey there. Um, Hi. I wanted, hello, I wanted to weigh in, first of all, as a Buddhist, not please. the Dalai Lama kind of Buddhist. No, you are <laughs> not Tibetan, I understand. You
3: are, you are, you're, uh, you're a Tina Turner Buddhist, not a Dalai Lama Buddhist. Go ahead.
10: Yes, and also Herbie Hancock is one of us, too. Um,
3: yes, indeed. You No, you, uh, listen, the, the Catholics have been waiting a long time for your hip damn religion to finally get taken down a peg. So please, don't ruin it for me, but go ahead.
10: <laughs> um, that's that's I mean, it was disgusting. I mean, he's, he's over. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah,
3: ridiculous. It's incredible.
10: Yeah, and it's and, so um, sad. I mean,
3: like all the all the good will be forgotten. Herbie, what, Chris?
4: Herbie Hancock <laughs> was, was Buddhist. Yes,
10: yeah, my kind of Buddhist. You know, the Tina Turner that's kind. It's of funny
4: because of <laughs> I, I just read the other day that uh, Wayne Shorter was Buddhist as well for like five decades. <laughs> uh, 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 re- re- oh, really? Really? Y- yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
3: Huh. Well, and they were. they were. They were bad. Working with so Miles Davis will really that's drive you saying. to some spiritual extremes,
10: right? <laughs> yeah. So <it> <laughs>
3: Imagine if they'd been married to Ike Turner, how fast they would have gone to <laughs>
10: Um, And I also wanted to say that Marjorie Taylor Greene should not have a freaking security clearance. And I yeah. knew when that leak happened, I knew it was going to be some right-wing, you know, America-hating person. Yeah. And then she's out defending him. It is just... So traitorous and
3: horrible. Yes, I,
10: but again, but again, wouldn't
3: house. it? Wouldn't it be more disappointing if she came out and did the right thing? Wouldn't you be a little crestfallen if Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and was right morally about one thing? I'd, I'd question all my judgment if I agreed with her on something.
10: Yeah, well, she's trying to look normal, you know.
3: She no, she's, she's not. No, look- she's not. She's trying to appeal to the far right. That is her role in the party. She's trying to appeal to people. <laughs> it's like the Ann Coulter thing. It's like your your whole brand is hatred. And then if you ever become nice, well, your, your, your base is going to dump you. They don't want to hear it.
10: No, I, I don't mean that. I mean, just like in her tone when, like, with the Leslie Stahl interview, she's trying to, like, when she talks, she talks as if she's talking like a normal boy. Like she thinks she's oh, normal, I, I guess. Yeah,
3: saying. I know. She, she has her impression <laughs> like of a reasonable. normal
10: person. Yeah, yes. like she thinks she's reasonable, yeah. And, yeah. like, today with Ukraine, like, you know... um Today, I was like on Instagram and I see I I love all these animal stories, you know, and I see the Ukraine soldier with a cat. And then I look at the story and they're like, he found this cat and they show him he's all happy in the car with the cat. You know, you know, people he had happiness in his face. And then they say in the story that he dropped off the cat that he had found because he had to change wherever his location was. And he went and dropped off the cat and then he died. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he's a new he's a soldier in Ukraine. Like people are dying. It's like not you know. It's like one minute there's this happy young boy with a cat, and the next minute he's gone. Like it's just wow. not right. Like it sucks.
3: Yeah, yeah, it does. Wow. You no, know? I'm sorry to hear that.
10: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know why I blurted that out, but I just you know, it's That's like okay. Serious shit going on there, and we've got nut jobs over here like trying to you know sabotage it. Like,
3: I know, it's and I probably, in fairness, I probably spent too much time talking about the Dalai Lama this week because of it. But I just thought, <laughs> you know, I've been, I just, I'm just such a fan of the Me Too movement. It's been so long since it was been interesting, so I, I might have gotten too much focused on something that ultimately doesn't matter that much.
10: No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, what the fuck? What is he doing?
3: Well, I mean, yeah. What you, you know? What he's doing? He's killing my script for Kundun 2. That's what he's doing. Man, I worked on that script. <laughs> now it's over. Rachel, thank you so oh, much wow. for calling. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you. Pit Doc is calling. Hello, doctor. You're in Ohio. Welcome.
7: Yeah, hey, John. We're we're cutting things short, so I'll cut out one of my subjects. I'll talk about the bigger one next week. Uh, Monday in Tennessee, what would you describe it as, what happened in Tennessee? Tragic? Sad? What? I would
3: say it, it was tragic, sad, preventable, and atrocity? Yes, all of the above.
7: None of the above.
3: All of the From above. From
7: now on, Tell Tell none me. of the above. From Tell now me. on, it's just a normal day in America.
3: Yeah, well... For some I, people, I, I it is. That, you know what though? I, what can't, talk- I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I know I you can't, can't go that far.
7: But if I can't. It's the not. other thing we we got to do about that is that you you talked about it. They should have a website, Till dot com. Show every That's picture it. from 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 gun scenes with heads blown off and holes in people and everything like that. And and just plug this until it's crazy. Until people get. Ashamed of people having guns. The only the only downside of that is you, some some of these gun nuts will be using it to masturbate too. But that's about it. Right.
3: That's okay as long as they stay home and play with their pistol.
7: Yep, take it easy, John.
3: Thanks, man. Good to hear from you, Doctor. Bye. Thank you as always. Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Hello to Laura in L.A.
1: Hello, hello. Hi. I'm just full of compliments because you made me laugh when uh, I was hiking for hours on one of the coastal trails. And then I got in my car, and after you did the Rolling Stones thing, and then you made some really cute insider pop culture jokes. So I was like, oh, man, John saying he's so smart. He's so (laughs) smart. You're
3: very sweet. Thank you.
1: (laughs) But then I want to talk. um, uh, The New York Times had an interview with that Jack. I always want to say Texarkana, whatever the guy's name is. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't need to repeat it. But his mother was boasting about what a good Christian her son is, and he is against war. I'm like, you motherfucker piece of shit.
3: (laughs) That's why he's in the National Guard, because he's against war. Right,
1: volunteered to get an income about being a soldier of war. So shut the F up. And then the other thing is, we're but that's Trump, game by game. the way. Every
3: one of these right-wingers who attacked us for opposing Bush's evil, immoral war are now saying that they're anti-war. I mean, it's just so John, dishonest. It's insane. No, yes, Chris. It. I get
4: it. I get it. I get it. Like, I hate drugs. Drugs have ruined my family. That's why I sell cocaine. So let's take
1: them.
3: There you go. Yeah, dr- that's right. I hate drugs. And that's Yeah, I'm a vegetarian for meat myself. I understand completely what you're
1: yeah. saying. we love animal flesh, but I just love animals. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But what, where's the chain of command uh, looking over the shoulder of the 21-year-old with all this uh, security?
3: Well, that's the uh, real document. question, right? That, But that's what we're waiting to find out. We have no idea. I mean, how, how I is it How is and,
7: But how I is someone in the
3: Massachusetts order. Massachusetts Air National Guard, how does that person have access to national security secrets? Yes. And wh- why are national security secrets accessible to someone who's not old enough to rent a car? Yeah.
4: I read a really interesting so take on that.
3: Oh, here's Chris. Hang on. Go ahead, Chris. I read
4: a really interesting take on that. It is uh, almost preferable to grant that kind of status and security. It's easier to give security clearance to a younger person in the armed forces because there's less background checking to do.
1: No baggage. It's, yeah, it's an no. easy.
4: It's an easier process. Whereas right. if you give it to a more senior or older person, then
3: you got to go back it. to their record. There's decades. There's decades of work experience you have to vet.
1: But, and then know. they're tainted, too, the 40-year-olds that hate anti-government more than a 21-year-old. But the mother, right. I think, the, the, the father is MIA, and the mother was probably feeding him with this Christian fundamentalist anti-government crap since he was born. So we got to, you know, do something about that.
5: Right
9: on. And,
1: um, but I'm just saying, I watch every law and order and there's always a chain of command and everybody's overlooked and people lose their jobs. That's just, just on TV. Come on.
3: <laughs> no, law and order is law and order is exactly how it is in real life. Right. That's that's how it yes. always. Yeah. Look, You're I don't know cocaine. the guy. I don't know the guy. OK, now, if you excuse me, officers, this booth is not going to mop itself. That's how that's how people yes. always talk to cops. I know
1: the criminals. <laughs> Confess every time once you bring them to
3: court. Well, but after you, after you pursue <laughs> the wrong guy for the first thirty minutes, and then they find the yeah, right guy oh, around the eight yeah, thirty mark. <laughs>
1: well, well, Laura, have a great you for weekend. A smile. Thank you. Thank
3: you so much. Eight six six nine nine seven grit. Let's go to Drew in California. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for your patience on hold.
11: Yeah, of course, man. Hey, you know when I tuned into you, I heard you saying something, and I'm not sure the context because I was just tuning in. Mm -hmm. But you said something to the effect that Jesus was against people screaming at women.
3: Uh, I said Jesus never tells you to scream at women outside uh, health clinics. Yeah.
11: Oh, okay. All right.
3: Yeah. Like like, My point was that Jesus Jesus never comes out as pro-abortion, but the Bible's not against abortion. And what I said was, you know, Jesus never tells you to force poor women to have more poverty, that the state should force rape victims to carry and bear their rapist children. Jesus never tells you to scream at women outside clinics. You know, my whole point in that was that modern conservative Christianity has prioritized something Jesus never talks about, criminalizing abortion far beyond all the things he actually did talk about, which modern conservative Christianity does not fight for. That was my point.
11: Sweet. So now I get the context. I mean, although, you know, if you look at the statistics, 80% of, you know, the American people believe that abortions, not not really wanted, but cool for the first trimester. But after that, I mean, basically, it's not really a controversial topic but that's not why I'm calling you, but I do appreciate the context. I was wondering how you felt about the women screaming at Riley games at San Francisco state university. And I mm-hmm. wonder if you've shared that story mm-hmm. with your, your audience, um, because the, the woman was beaten. She was beaten by a transgender uh, woman and then she was held hostage for three hours. And that was a woman that was expressing her opinion, uh, about biological males in, you know, women's sports. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder Mm -hmm. how you feel about a woman being beaten and held hostage in a state university in California.
3: Uh, I'm against beating people, and I'm against holding people hostage against their will 100% all the time.
11: Wow, that's fantastic, John. Aren't you against
3: against (laughs) beating people? (laughs) Aren't you against assaulting third degree? So why are you so surprised? Absolutely. Even,
4: even well, if well, that person spouts hateful rhetoric.
3: Yeah, Riley Gaines is a hateful a person. Riley Gaines devotes it. her day to making the lives of trans people more difficult, driving up the suicide rate of trans kids. Her whole goal is meanness to a marginalized group. But you know what? You should okay, never John. be cruel to anybody. And she sh- uh, of course I'm against physical battery against I someone, agree. for God's sakes.
11: I agree. So, John, on that topic... So we can have biological men participating in, you know, uh, uh, bio, I don't know, female sports, however you want to phrase it. So let's say, for example, you have a softball team, right? And we let one biological male maybe we really two gonna, biological Are we really going to
3: have this conversation? Is this really the conversation you want to have at a Friday night, man? Really? You want to do the trans women women playing sports? The only group, the only group in America, the the only group that takes drugs to be less strong, the only only group of people that takes drugs to be less strong competing in sports. Look, here's my deal on it. I don't get to decide. It's got to be decided by individual sports leagues, Okay. I think that it's possible. Hang on. It's possible. It's possible for different divisions to regulate how they want to do it with intersex or with biologically Birth, as, you, as the gender, I don't get to make that choice for sports teams. Okay, I respect women who don't want to have an unfair competition your in, in athletics. John, let pardon me. John, are your children in sports? Yes.
11: Are your children in sports? Yes. Okay. So my daughter played softball for a very long time.
3: Oh man! This right, is
11: there the was an play. occasion where there was one biological male on the opposing team. Mm-hmm. How far do we let that go? What if it's say five biological males what if it's an entire team of biological males that identify as transgender competing against an entirely biological female team
3: here's my response to what you're saying no i'm not saying i think it's fair i'm saying i'm not qualified i'm not hey are you going to let me respond to you are you just calling to have a fucking fight with somebody on a friday night come on can i respond to you Now, yeah, I know. Yeah, I got a guy here that wants to fight with you. Here's the deal. I don't get to decide what different teams or schools or divisions will do when it comes to genders and sports. I watch the debate. But what I don't like is the fact that the debate is used to smear trans people in general. The debate over sports, which affects virtually no one in this country. Idaho has two transgender students out of 480,000 students and they pass this law. That is performative bullshit cruelty. And the The debate over sports can be done civilly, but it's not. It's being hijacked by right-wing people as an excuse to be cruel to an already marginalized group that that is deeply abused and has a high suicide rate. I'm sorry, but trans people have really unhappy lives. Trans people have really hard lives, man. You know, maybe you don't know this. Maybe you don't care. But why don't you Google the suicide rate of trans kids sometimes? Let me tell you something.
11: Trans people have hard lives. Adolescent girls don't have hard lives. Are you kidding me? Yes, they
3: do. But my point to you is this. When we're talking about any group of transgender people, hang on, man, I'm going to hang up, dude. When we're talking about any group of transgender people, you have a choice. You can add to the cruelty or you can be one of the cisgender people that is less cruel to them. And that's it. Wake up every day and decide. I'm going to make the lives of trans kids shittier and more painful or I'm going to be the cisgender, heterosexual white man who's kind to them and open-hearted to them, regardless of how a civil debate on sports participation plays out. The sports debate is bullshit, and it's a smokescreen to justify cruelty by fake fucking Christians. Here endeth the lesson. And I hung up on him, Chris, just for you, because he wasn't going to let me talk.
4: Thank God, because his whole analogy um, uh, falls apart unless you use an incredibly uh, solipsistic view of what it means
3: to be transgender. I know, but that's but again, they don't care. They don't. He doesn't care about trans people. He doesn't give a shit. And most of these people don't care about sports. But this is how the right wing does it. This is fascism. Find the powerless minority group, undocumented immigrants, Jews, whatever you want to be. Find the powerless minority group. Convince the majority that you're under existential siege from this powerless, marginalized group, and they're going to take away your freedom or take away your rights, take away something of yours. And then present yourself, I alone can protect you from this powerless minority that's threatening you and the majority. And that's it. That's how it's always been. And they're doing it now with trans kids. The same way it's been done with Jews, the same way it's been done with black folks, the same way it's been done with immigrants and it's tacky, and it's mean. And they're so excited because they think, oh my God, the sports issue. Well, here's something finally undeniable. What about the teenage girls? Dude, the schools will sort it out. I'm a fan of the debate being done civilly, but that's not what they want. They want to be fucking mean to a minority group. And that's all it's about. And you guys know this. See what you do to me, Chris? You get me all riled up. I'm kind of hot too. I think he liked us. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls.
8: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
6: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's p-h I L O.tv slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month.
3: This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We've only got a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask everyone to make your point really, really quickly, okay? Or your question or your joke or your threat. Um, Amir in California. Sorry to make it so tight. Welcome.
2: Oh, hi, Don. Uh, I wanted to talk about something else, but how do you deal with these MAGA extremists that that call you and lecture you about stuff? How do you do it?
3: I try to not get as angry as Chris gets. And, uh, and if, well, I, if, I start, <laughs> if I start being as angry as Chris, I know I've got to pull back.
2: <laughs> well, you're a much better person than I, John. But uh, I just I want to say you're doing a great job. And I am not trans, but I, uh, I have the trans issue uh, near and dear to my heart for personal reasons. And mm-hmm. I wish, I don't know, I just wish people were different.
3: I do, too. I do too. But again, then it comes down to like, it's one thing for me to yell at this guy. It's another thing for me to be kind myself, you know, and, and we got to see more. Like, I always thought being a man, I always thought being a man wasn't about how many people you could beat up. It's about how many people you can protect, not about how tough you are, but how strong you are for others. So I measure men, by not by how much they can beat up those weaker than them, but by how much they look out for, you know, what Jesus would call the least of these. So you know, I, I like seeing heterosexual guy and there are lots of guys and lots of conservative guys who are nice to trans men and women. So we just got to keep on hoping that the heart will grow. And I think that's the case with America. I do think in some ways we've gotten worse economically, having a middle class. But when it comes to, you know, welcoming marginalized groups and trying to redress past wrongs, we're just getting started and we're only going to get better.
2: Yeah. And I th- I thought it was great when you said that it, it was hot and it was turning you on. I, I thought that was
1: brilliant.
3: Thank you. Well, I hate to admit it, but it's very, very true. I'm I'm Catholic, so I get aroused by fighting. That just (laughs) brings me back to childhood. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Do I have time for one more before the break, Captain? What do we have, like seven seconds? Stephen in Kentucky. Welcome. It's got to be really quick tonight. What's on your... Oh, he just hung up. I have that effect on a lot of people. (laughs) Can you believe it? Finally got to him. Bill in New Jersey. Really quick. Hi
2: yeah hi good evening Uh, i just want to mention first quickly i saw david johansson and martin scorsese on uh uh morning joe yesterday about their uh uh, film that they're doing wasn't that an awkward
4: interview that was a very awkward interview well all i can think about why don't they think joe had
3: any idea what new york dolls was
4: no it was like martin Martin scorsese and david johansson hanging out and then via satellite joe scarborough trying to also hang out
7: with them no
2: But what I was thinking was, why don't they do a Revival Glam Rocks uh, tour of the South, uh, given the uh, grand stuff that's going on. But anyway, uh, talking about what Jesus believed as a Jew, in Judaism, there are two souls. There's the uh, animal soul, meaning when you're inside the woman, you are no different than any other animal embryo. You have Mm -hmm. only the... Your thing is only for life, and when you hatch, when you get out, uh, yeah, you take your first breath, but you are still inhabited by that uh, animal soul, and so, like, the first nipple you'll see you're going to grab, you don't give a shit, you'll knock other babies over for it. It's not right. until the eighth day, which is when the circumcision, or in your case, um, the epiphany happens, I think it's the same day, uh, that the godly soul enters the body, right? and it slowly goes in and it doesn't complete until age of 13 when you're bar mitzvah and in reality people's personality don't develop till they're 26
3: years old thanks bill we gotta go hitting a break but on that note thank you happy bar mitzvah to all of us sorry